0: worshiping idols. Like committing adultery. Now, then when we come to the prophets, we find that the prophets also in the Old Testament uh, strongly condemned in various places the breaking of the Sabbath. We'll just refer to one example of the prophets. We could there are others that we could refer to. But we'll we'll mention uh, Isaiah Chapter 58, where Isaiah uh, has these words. Isaiah 58 and verse 13. God says to his people, If you turn back your foot, from the sabbath from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the sabbath a delight and the holy day of the lord honourable if you honour it not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So here, God is clearly through his prophet challenging the fact that the Israelites were not only not resting on the sabbath but they were using the sabbath just as an opportunity for their own pleasure for their own satisfaction whereas in fact it should have been treated as a holy day of the lord it should have been they should have been taking the opportunity to take uh, to, to, to to worship God and to grow in their knowledge of God and God promises if they were to do that, if they were to call the Sabbath a delight and if they were to to um, call the holy of the day of the Lord honorable, then they would know the blessing of God. And there are other examples that could be mentioned I won't we won't turn to them now but prophet Jeremiah in chapter 17. Um, condemns Sabbath breaking by the kings and the people of Judah. Also in Nehemiah after the exile, also chapter thirteen of Nehemiah, uh, the people were reproved for breaking the Sabbath. And so we see then that the Old Testament consistently calls on people to work for six days, and then on the seventh to rest. And to give that day over to God as a day of worship and 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 service of God. Now, uh, so we then so we've seen then the teaching of the Old Testament. Now, let, what then? The next main thing for us to first consider is what, if anything, has changed with the coming of the New Covenant. Now, probably. Very few would doubt that the Old Testament teaches that the Sabbath should be kept. I think probably most people would accept that that is the teaching of the Old Testament. But the question we need to address is whether or not this obligation continues for believers living under the New Covenant. Now, we do know, of course, that some obligations for the Jews have ceased. In the New Testament era, men no longer need to get circumcised. They can do if they want to, if they feel it's right, or if they wish to for medical reasons. But there's no compulsion upon men to be circumcised. Uh, We do not need to keep religious festivals like the Passover or New Moon celebrations. Uh, we don't need to worry about, uh, about keeping food laws in this New Testament age in which we live. So the question arises, should we regard the Sabbath as a ceremonial law which has been fulfilled by the coming of Christ and therefore no longer applies to believers living under the new covenant? Now I must confess to have been persuaded by such an idea in the past. But as I've thought about it more and 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 studied more, uh, I've come to the view that that way of thinking is mistaken. The way of thinking that the Sabbath is is just a ceremonial law which is which has been fulfilled by Christ. That that is mistaken. And that we should indeed regard the Sabbath as an enduring moral commandment for all people. Let me give you some reasons why I think we should regard it in this way. Well, first of all, because as we've seen, the Sabbath is rooted in creation. It goes right the way back to when God made the world. The other food laws of the, of, and the sacrifices of the, of the Old Testament period, they came in with Moses. But the Sabbath predates the, the giving of the, the law of Moses. And then also, as, we've just, as we saw from Exodus 16, that the Sabbath was something which God expected his people to keep when they were in the desert before he'd given the Ten Commandments. But then also, another reason why I think we should see this as something which is enduring is because the Sabbath commandment is part of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are very clearly distinguished from the rest of the law of Moses and from the ceremonial laws in a number of ways. First of all, because they were spoken by the very mouth of God. God actually spoke these words from the mountain. Then also because these Ten Laws were written on tablets of stone to to symbolize how they are enduring and and, and lasting and moreover when uh, God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 31 he said I will write my law on their hearts if you look at that little phrase my law in the rest of Jeremiah you'll see that and you do a concordance on that, you'll see that he's referring to the Ten Commandments. The my law, the law of God that God said would be written on the hearts of people in the New Testament age is the Ten Commandments. Now, another reason why I think we should see this as, as enduring is because Jesus himself kept the Sabbath. He was accused by his enemies of breaking the Sabbath. But actually, when you look at what he did, he did not break the Sabbath. He broke human interpretations of the Sabbath, which went beyond what God had commanded. Jesus didn't, didn't in no way actually broke that commandment as, as he lived. Then also, when Jesus himself taught about the Sabbath, he did not say that the Sabbath was going to be done away with. What he did was to correct misinterpretations of the Sabbath. He could very easily at that point have said, oh look, you don't need to worry about this because the Sabbath is finished or finishing. Now how different that was as regards food because when it came to food laws Jesus said it's not what goes into a man's mouth that makes him unclean but what comes out of his mouth that makes him unclean and Mark comments thus he declared all foods to be clean so Jesus thereby swept away food laws but as regards the Sabbath Jesus didn't say no the Sabbath is coming to an end On the contrary, he said in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, in verse 27 and 28, he said the Sabbath was made for for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made, created by God. Yes, created for man, but it was created, it was made by God. And he, as the Son of Man, the, the Messiah, is the Lord of the Sabbath and can say how that it should be applied but he doesn't say as the, as the Lord of the Sabbath I'm saying it's not going to apply anymore he says it's, I can say how it is applied now some would point to how in the book of Hebrews uh, in chapter 4 of Hebrews we're told that when a person believes he enters God's rest and so they'd say, well, we keep the Sabbath now in the New Testament age by entering the rest of God. And indeed, Hebrews does teach that, uh, that, that we who believe enter God's Sabbath rest. Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 9 and 10 says, there, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So just as God rested from his works on the seventh day, so we who believe, we rest from our works. We don't have to try and earn our way into heaven. We can we, 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 we enter God's rest. So yes, there is a fulfillment of the Sabbath in the fact that Uh, when we believe we enter God's rest. But does that mean that we no longer need to have a day day each week when we rest from our labor and focus on God? The answer is no. While we remain in this world and in our physical bodies, we still need to have a rest day. And we still need to have a day when we can refocus our attention on God. Now, I can draw a parallel with marriage. Marriage also goes back to creation. Marriage also has a spiritual fulfillment. When a person believes in Christ, he becomes part of the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ is, is united to Christ. We're already spiritually united to Christ, and that will happen properly and fully at the end of the age. Well, because there's a spiritual fulfillment of marriage, does that mean to say that men and women don't need to get married anymore? Because now in Christ, there is a spiritual fulfillment of marriage in that Christ is, is marrying his church. No, of course not. There is the natural fulfillment, natural application, and there's the spiritual application. The natural application of marriage is that a man marries his wife. Spiritual application is that Christ marries his church. Similarly, with with the Sabbath, there's the natural application that one day a week we rest. And there's the spiritual application that as we believe on Christ, we enter God's rest. Some Christians would also point to Colossians chapter 2 and verses 16 and 17, uh, which say, according to our translation, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you on questions of food or drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And they say, oh, well, look, there you are. They see the Sabbath is, is, is just a shadow pointing forward to Christ. But the word that's translated Sabbath singular in our translation, actually the, 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 plur, the word is actually plural, Sabbaths. And when that term is used with other things like New Moon and so on and so forth, festival, it's talking, you look at it, you go through the Old Testament, you see when that plural sabbaths is used, it's used to describe all the different Jewish festivals. The different holy days, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Passover, and all these other, the Day of Atonement. These other special days when the people would, would, would have, have a Sabbath in addition to the, to the normal Sabbaths. And so by saying Sabbaths, plural, Paul is talking about these Jewish festival days. He's not talking about the Sabbath, which is part of the, of, the, of the Ten Commandments, I would suggest. Similarly, also, when he talks in Romans 14 about how some believers treat certain days as holy. So I would suggest to you that actually, with the coming of Christ... Very little has changed in terms of, of this, this law of the Sabbath. The one thing which it does seem has changed is the day upon which we, are to, the day which we are to treat as a Sabbath. There is evidence in the New Testament that the believers met to worship on the first day of the week. as a weekly commemoration of the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week. Jesus met with his disciples on the first day of the week. The next time he met with them was also a week later on the first day of the week. Uh, In Acts chapter 20, and verse 7, we read that the church in Troas met together to break bread on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, Paul says that on the first day of the week, presumably because that was when the church met, the believers were to set aside a sum of money for the offering that was being made for the church in Jerusalem. John says in the book of Revelation that in chapter 1 and verse 10, he that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And we know from very early Christian writers that believers spoke, Christian believers spoke of the first day of the week as the Lord's day. So we have all these indications that what we call Sunday is the day when Christians worship God. And it soon became the practice of Christians. Long before uh, Constantine, uh, it soon became the practice of Christian believers to treat what we call Sunday as the Christian Sabbath. Well then, how can we apply this to ourselves? I've suggested to you that that uh, the Old Testament is very clear that uh, that God says that people should worship, should, should work six days and should rest on the seventh. And I've suggested to you that that the only thing that's changed with the coming of Christ is that we now treat Sunday as that Sabbath, rather than the seventh day of the week. How can we apply this to ourselves? Well, let me give you some pointers. First of all, we see from this commandment that we should work six days a week. Sometimes people say, well, what's the point in life? What's the point of doing anything? Why should I bother to get up? Why should I bother to make my bed? Why should I bother to to brush my teeth and do anything? Why should I bother to to, to be a student or to, to go to work? Well, the answer is because God has commanded it. He's told us. It's not just, you don't just work. You know, people say, well, you work to get money and then you spend your money and you work to get more money and you spend your money. Oh, there's no point. Well, there is point because God has told us we are to work. We should work six days a week. If you, are, if you have a paid job, then do that. Do it gladly. If you are retired or if you are disabled or if you're a full-time homemaker or if you cannot find paid employment, still work. Work. As much as you're able to, you might only be able to do an hour or two a week. Well do what you can to the glory of God. Another application I would say is this: If you at the moment are involved in a job that in, in, you have a job that involves Sunday working, look for a job that enables you not to work on Sunday. I'm not saying you should just leave your job and have no job at all because then you wouldn't be able to fulfil that previous thing that you should work six days. But if you've got a job that, that involves some Sunday shifts, seek for a job which, which gives you freedom from working on Sunday. I would also say this. Get your household jobs done during the week Monday to Saturday that's your time for doing your washing your DIY your shopping all the other things you've got to do get them done during the week whatever you can't get done whatever you don't manage to get done by Saturday night say okay it wasn't God's will for me to do that this week I'll do that next week go to bed early on Saturday evening So that you're not too tired for the Lord's Day. And when it comes to the Lord's Day, do not engage in those activities which would stop you or others from treating Sunday as a Sabbath. Don't go shopping. Don't do your laundry. Don't do your ironing. Don't do your school work or your university work or background reading for your job, your emails, engaging in competitive sports, your house repairs, going to restaurants. Because if you go to a restaurant, you're employing somebody else, aren't you? So cut out of your life all those things which will stop you from being able to... Treat Sunday as a Sabbath. And then positively use the day for spiritual advantage. Get up early. Pray. Pray for the day. Pray for the, the, the services. Pray for the preacher. Pray for your own heart. Pray for God to work in people's lives. Attend the morning service in person if you're in a position to do so not everybody is but if you're in a position to do so consider having somebody back for lunch so as to be able to have fellowship with that person you might want to have a rest after lunch in order to be on the ball for, for the rest of the day nothing wrong with that if you, if you, if you feel the need for that Use the afternoon in a profitable way. You could read your Bible, read a Christian book, uh, maybe visit somebody, maybe write a Christian letter, write a letter to somebody, maybe get involved in evangelism, do some street work. And then, when it comes to the evening, come if you're physically capable at all. Come back to the church for the evening service. And then after the evening service, use any time that you've got after that service in a profitable way in order to cement what you've learned that day, perhaps think over the sermons, uh, read a Christian book, pray. So that, that whole day is given over to God. Now, this takes faith, doesn't it? Because you might say, well, what about the jobs I've got to do? What about my homework? What about my, 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 my uh, the, the sport that I love to engage in? Well, what we need to do is to trust that the Lord knows best. His way is right. He's, he's given us his law for our good. If we obey his law, we'll be blessed. We might be a bit poorer. We might have a house that's a bit more shabby. We might have clothes that aren't, aren't beautifully ironed, whatever it is, but we all know the Lord, which is far better. And what I do need to say to us all is this, that the most important thing is to come to Christ to receive his salvation. We mentioned earlier about those who believe enter God's rest. You see, you could do all that I've talked about in terms of you know, keeping the Sabbath, at least outwardly. But if you don't know Christ, you don't know his rest. Jesus said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You can only really properly know the Sabbath rest of God by coming to Christ, and putting your trust in him, and receiving the rest that he gives. If you're not in Christ, then you're like the wicked, that are like the tossing sea, that there is no, and the scripture says, there is no rest for the wicked. But come to Christ, and you will have rest for your soul. Well, I hope and pray that what we've looked at this morning will be helpful for us all, and God will give us guidance and wisdom as we apply his word. Perhaps we could just have a moment or two to just ponder what we've heard, to think about it. Perhaps you could ask the Lord to speak to you. Maybe there's some way in which he's shown you some attitude which is not right, some behavior which is not right. So let's, let's uh, come to the Lord and just spend a few moments uh, before him, before we sing our final hymn.